But Jesus lived his entire life in full obedience with the Father and living to love people and point people to his Father. And when he knew that his 24 hours was starting, he dialed his selfless meter up 10 notches. And John 13 shows us he started those last 24 hours by washing his disciples' feet. Want to welcome you to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and I'm really excited about our guest. I've known Drew McCullough for many years. I used to be a Sunday school teacher. I don't think he remembers anything about that. <laughs> I don't think he learned anything from, from me during those days. Those were some challenging days. Anytime you've got a – and my hat's off to anybody that teaches youth, Okay. It can be a challenge, but it's one of the most rewarding things you'll see. Some of the rewards don't happen when you're there and the kids are acting up and they're playing games with you and (laughs) they're not paying attention, seemingly. Rewards come, like right now, when I see Drew McCullough teaching from God's Word on a Sunday morning, solidly delivering with a passionate heart for Christ. That's when the rewards come, when you see that. Drew McCullough is here with us today. Drew, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks, Byron. Are you are you trying to say that teenagers don't pay attention and play around? There might be times, but maybe they're listening differently. Because, I mean, today's generation is so different compared to when I was, because you've got cell phones and texting teenagers can be texting 90 miles an hour and i guess they can still have a conversation and <laughs> i can't even hardly make a text you know now you're dating yourself <laughs> I'm, I'm really dating my i'm dating my see i remember when the first cell phones came out you know they were like size of a watermelon a textbook or something yeah. <laughs> yeah something really big i remember my dad's car phone he had in his truck when i was younger a car phone now we just call this cell phones Oh, yeah. If you had a car phone, that was big. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty big. But I'm so glad to get together with you and to share. Matter of fact, our Mid-South Viewpoint listeners are becoming familiar with you because last week I shared the message that you delivered at High Point. Mm. First of all, your official title at High Point Church, East Memphis Student Director. That sounds official. That's me. That's official. That's very official. You had the opportunity to be part of a series, Face to Face, I mm-hmm. believe it was, and you delivered two of the messages. The second message you delivered out of John chapter 13, I was really moved by that. I think that is a message that needs to be shared. I didn't even tell you, but I, I made a radio show out of it, promoted it. By the way, you're going to be on the radio in about an hour. Yeah, just, just to clarify, you did tell me. It was just after you, after you did <laughs> After I put the show together. And I, I want to talk about that because you really talked about our posture as it relates to our relationship with Jesus Christ and to other people, too. You started off by asking a question. If you had 24 hours to live and money was no option, what would you do? Now, for me, I would do a lot of things with that, You right? would, talked about the Muddy's cupcakes. I would definitely eat Muddy's cupcakes. I would uh, travel to Greece. My wife and I have wanted to go to Greece forever. Never been able to go because that takes a lot of money. It does. Right? Yeah. So not taking money into consideration, I'm going to Greece. Um, I would want to do something dangerous and risky like swim with sharks, skydive, base jump, uh, have a good steak. 
what would you do at 24 hours? You know, I did dive with sharks myself. You dove with yeah. sharks? I have done that before. When we lived on the island of Guam, I got certified to scuba dive. So there were many encounters with sharks. There were always friendly encounters, thankfully. What I mean, there was no aggression. There's some big sharks in the water. I mean, when you're in the water with a bag full of bloody fish because you've been spearfishing and you've got like five or six black tip sharks start circling around you. Now, usually you always dive with a dive buddy. You know, you don't have to worry about outswimming the shark. You just have to outswim your <laughs> buddy, okay? Then you're okay. But so seriously, always get a buddy who cannot swim no, very well, right? No. The key to that is just to be wise and get out of the water, right? <laughs> you know, which we did. That is crazy. But you uh, a shark. Well, now you have lived out part of my bucket list. Yeah, yeah. In the message you shared, too, when you talked about this, you were driving a point here in relation to the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. He chose something different. Yeah, when we think of 24 hours left to live, we always think of ourselves. If money and travel, none of it, we're not taking any of that into consideration, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to go swim with sharks like Byron has. I'm going to go skydive. I'm going to I'm going to do this on my bucket list. I'm going to have this favorite food. But honestly, we're so selfish in those 24 hours thinking about that because we are selfish every single day. But when we think, okay, I know when my life is going to end in 24 hours, we take our selfish meter and we dial it up a few notches. But Jesus lived his entire life in full obedience with the Father and living to love people and point people to his Father. And when he knew that his 24 hours was starting, he dialed his selfless meter up 10 notches. And John 13 shows us he started those last 24 hours by washing his disciples' feet. Something in that verse that you brought out to when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. The word says he loved them to the end. You brought out a, a rendering from the Greek language of that to the end. It talks about a different kind of love. Yeah, the Greek there is telos. It doesn't mean that it's going to finish. It means without limits, which means it keeps going. It wasn't saying Jesus is going to love them until he dies. It was saying he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them without limits. His love kept going. We can't hardly wrap our mind around that to understand the fullness of what that means. Mm. But to know that it exists, that there is a God who loves me like that, that's pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. Especially with some of the brokenness and some of the hurts, habits, and hangups maybe that I've been dealing with in my life, to know that I'm not alone. There's somebody that really does care for me like that, mm-hmm. you know? That's what's so incredible is all the friendships that we have, all the relationships we have, the incredible wives or husbands that you might have. We, our love for each other pales in comparison with how much we are loved by our Savior. Well, that picture of love that we have, if you dissected our definition of love today, it is what you said. It's more about what can I get out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. There are certain limits that I won't cross. So if that's the norm, how do we connect that with the definition of love that Jesus gave us in these verses of John and live that out today in a world that's opposite from that? Yeah. What's so interesting about that story is what Jesus did by getting on his hands and knees and washing their feet was so counterculture. It was not normal for the one who was the master, the rabbi, 
the head of the house, one of the most honored to wash feet. It was the servant. It was the lowest in the house. Yet Jesus, counterculture, got on his hands and knees and washed their feet. Yeah. In today's world, it is so counterculture for people to love their enemies, for people to forgive unconditionally, to people to extend mercy, to extend grace. It's all, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Or you you did this to me. Well, you don't deserve my forgiveness. You earn my forgiveness, and then I'll give it to you. As a believer, one of my favorite verses is, we love because he first loved us. We extend grace. We extend forgiveness because it was first given to us. And so everything that we learn about what love is, whether it's in a friendship, grocery store, or marriage. What about driving down Poplar and somebody cuts you off? I mean, <laughs> it's like I forget the definition so easily, you know? Oh, yeah. Our nature yeah. is to fight against that. Yep. Our helper is only found in Christ, in the Spirit. The Spirit helps us fight that that sinful pride, that sinful selfishness, and fill us up with grace meets us with mercy and with grace at the exact same time to give us what we need in those moments. Yeah. We will fail. Okay, what was the lure for you to leave the corporate world to become a youth minister? I know it wasn't the money, okay? I'll tell you right now, <laughs> it was not the money. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, what, what happened was I have been going to High Point for years, and we used to go to the Carville campus. Now I'm at the East Memphis campus, and I served with my wife in kids ministry and in student ministry and one of my good friends uh parker richardson he's the student director out the carville campus he um he was at my house one day and he just randomly asked me hey have you ever thought about working in student ministry and i remember looking at him <laughs> and basically saying you're insane. Yeah. Like there is no way that that is happening. <laughs> like I, I have a job I enjoy. I went to I went to school for uh, supply chain management, so I was working in supply chain management. Um, I was uh, I was a manager. I was you know a step away from being the director of the supply chain management. So you were feeling um, pretty good about. I was feeling good career. about my career path, yeah. Yeah. about the money, and about the life we were living, and. Um, it was kind of interesting. Our very first beach week, our, our summer trip um, that we take with students, uh, I remember sitting there, and I know that the messages were for the students, but it was like God was telling me directly, don't slam the door on this, and uh, think about this a little bit more. Let's yeah. let's let's. You need to. You need. Let's talk about this a little bit more. And uh, so I, I talked. You know, I, I prayed about it. I talked to my wife about it. Um, I talked to Parker a little bit more and some other people on staff a little bit more. And one thing led to another. And I was like, man, it is undeniable. God is calling me into ministry. Can we back up? Was there ever a point, say, in high school or in college, hmm. that you ever even had the thought, I wonder what it would be like to be in the ministry? Let's see. Uh, that wasn't even on your radar. In, <laughs> that wasn't even on your radar. I will say back in, I guess, maybe senior year of high school, I had this passion for family, whether it's teenagers, uh, kids ministry, of course, being a teenage boy, I was like, you know, I'm going to get married one day. I was all about the, the yeah. ladies. Oh, yeah. And so uh, so I had a, this passion for that, but 
I was lost. I was I was not safe until college. And so this passion I had, I didn't know what to do with it. It was misguided, misplaced. And so I kind of, as I pursued the world through the next few years, that kind of just kind of got pushed away until Parker's question kind of sparked. God used that to really spark this passion to coming back and uh, filling me up. So, so. it's kind of a combination of things that mm-hmm. kind of moved you to yeah. kind of confirm that. Today's show, there's not really a, a set agenda. I just kind of wanted to have a conversation, you yeah. know, just talk back and forth. Is there a difference between Jesus as a lifestyle and Jesus as a way of life? Jesus as a lifestyle and Jesus as a way of life. I yeah. feel like way of life and lifestyle are the same. Maybe I should define when I say have a lifestyle, we have our Christianese, mm-hmm. things that we do about church, activities that we're involved with, and then compared to really walking with Christ. Mm. Jesus said that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. So when you put it like that, yeah. I see that as religion versus relationship. Okay. You know, I think myself included. You you said how you were my, my Sunday school teacher back in high school, and I was all about religion. The rules made sense to me. I understood that there was a God, and if I wanted God to accept me, I had to do all these things and keep these rules and be all about this religion. And it's real easy to go to church on Sunday and say, man, we're talking about forgiveness. I need to go forgive people. But living for Jesus is about having that relationship. It's about worship first. Yeah. As parents teach their kids about Jesus, as they make him relevant in their lives, look at the statistics when kids, right now kids are starting college. How many of them are going to basically walk away from the things their parents taught them Mm. of the faith. Yeah. They're not going to have any church relationship, and they really don't care. Mm. You know, this is like, finally I'm set free. I don't have to go to church. My parents aren't going to have to make me do that. So how can parents make Christ relevant in the everyday without becoming this list of rules and just a Sunday morning visit to church? Yeah, I, I think where we have missed the mark so many times when parents do not model the life that they're asking their kids to live, right? When their their kids see that Jesus is only talked about on a Sunday morning, well, then that's what they start to th- see Jesus as. Jesus is this, he's, he lives in this building that I go to yeah. on a Sunday morning, right? And students, kids will never understand uh, true love, grace, forgiveness when this, this sounds stupid, but when you start kids out talking about Santa Claus yeah, yeah. and how you're making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, and then they grow up as they grow up into the teenage years and everything is just, you do this wrong, well, you're going to hit this consequence. And that's consequences are real, right? Yeah. But we have to teach them the whys behind the, the, the discipline. Right. I think too often we look at punishing instead of just disciplining. Disciplining is is calling them up. It's teaching them, not just don't do this, do this. Well, going back to your example out of John 13, the fact that Jesus got up from his place to take off his outer garment and take the posture Mm. of a servant, that is something that we as parents, and me now as a grandparent, have got to example and display in our kids lives Mm -hmm. and that's what jesus says at the end of that story is he says 
I've set an example for you. Now you go do as I've done for you. I think as believers in general, but as parents, as as kids leaders, student leaders, we are called to do that. We are called to see what Jesus has done for us and go do the same for others so that they see what he has done for them. And if we say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but then we just go treat people like crap, well, then they're going to say, I don't. I don't want to part of that Jesus. Or are you sure you know that right. Jesus? Yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. Yeah. If you were to take a spiritual pulse on where today's teenagers are right now, what would you find? Hmm. Spiritual pulse. Maybe their interest in God, Christ, the church. Yeah, I think that in the culture we live in of distractions, the interest level is probably about the same as it always has. People are no more messed up today as they were back then. I think our problem today is that there are so many distractions in people's lives, it makes it easier for them to care about other things. Just because not as many teenagers will come to church nowadays or 20-somethings will come to a church nowadays, it doesn't mean that, well, then just people don't care. People probably were coming to church back then that just didn't care, but it was just the thing to do. But now, there's ah, I watch online, or I'll, you know, I got my phone, I'm not paying attention. Um, I think it's just these distractions, and because of what's readily available on this thing, the elementary kids have now started to have middle school problems. You know, it's so crazy you say that. My sister-in-law teaches school in Alabama. They had a meeting with teachers. This was just recently school starting. They're having a problem with second grade students wearing iWatches to school and getting texts from their parents. I mean, these are second grade students. I don't have an iWatch. Yeah, I've actually <laughs> noticed over the past year or two when sixth graders will come to crew for the first time, they fill a little, you know, guest form with all that kind of stuff and it has like your cell phone number. Few years ago, even just two, three years ago, you know, they never fill it out or it's the same as the parents. Now they fill it out and it's they have their own cell phone, they have their Instagram name, all that kind of stuff, and it's just like, Man, I know third and fourth graders that have cell phones now. You think parents should play a stronger role in controlling or limiting screen time? Oh yeah. I'm thankful that I did not have a smartphone when I was at that age uh, because I know how bad I am with it now in my hand, so I can't even imagine being a teenager. But I think that the technology that is readily available on our phones is so useful and beneficial, but also at the same time so dangerous. And so it's not, hey, it's evil, don't ever use a phone or don't ever get an Xbox or whatever it is, but it's, let's be wise about how we use them, how often we use them, when we use them, where we use them, and how we use them. What are some areas that you're seeing youth take charge and become real servant leaders that it's encouraging to you? I think that more than when I was a teenager, I have seen students now, maybe it's because the ones who show up and jump in, they actually want to show up and jump in more, right? Yeah. Um, I have seen teenagers now serve in ways I've, I never saw when I was younger. You walk into High Point on a Sunday morning and you have middle schoolers helping with cameras. You have high schoolers with 
elementary and helping lead small groups with kids and they're being a part of the body of Christ. And that's what one of the things I love about our strategy as a student ministry is we don't have anything on Sunday mornings. And some people don't like that, but I love it. Explain yeah. that. So, uh, explain how we don't have something on Sundays? Yeah. So, on a Sunday morning, what we what we do is we provide a connect option and a worship option where we, we have a student section in the second service. So, if you come to one service, hey, come to the second service, sit with us. If you come to first, like, sit with your family. Worship is a family. But if you're if you're here for two services because maybe your parents serve or or whatever it is, I want to encourage you to serve the yeah. same because teenagers want to be a part of something. So when we teach them how to serve, one, if I am leading a small group of elementary kids alongside of you, well then discipleship happens between us, right? Not just with the kids. Right. And I learn how to lead. I learn how to teach. From you, so discipleship happens. Secondly, they learn how to use their spiritual gifts. They learn what they are. They learn how to live it out, and then they actually learn how to be a part of a body. They learn how to be a part of the body of Christ. I mean, when I was growing up, everything was catered to me as a teenager. When we started going to High Point, it was my wife who encouraged me to start serving because serving was not a part of serving and giving. Neither one was a part of who I was as a your DNA. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a part of me. Yeah. So now we're trying to teach them as they grow up, hey, this is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Yeah. This is what it means to not just go to church, but to be the church. Man, I love seeing our students all over the place serving on a Sunday morning. Speaking of them stepping up and giving back and, and serving we have uh, a crew leadership team, so it's 12 to 15 high school students who like applied, interviewed with me, all that kind of stuff. Last year was the first year we did that. This second year, I, I have seen them take steps and just grow so much of their organizing serve days and their organizing donation drives. Uh, one of my leadership team members last year, at the very end of the school year, she said, there's an organization called Constance Abbey in Memphis. Never heard of it. But apparently they, they help homeless women. They take them in, help them right. how they can and right. all that kind of stuff. And so they, she has a passion for this ministry. And she said, what can we do? And so I got to come alongside of her instead of doing it for her and saying, hey, take the stuff. There you go. I got to help her learn how to come up with this donation dive, how to promo it and talk to the organization. And she got to take it all to them and all this kind of stuff. And it was so cool because it wasn't an adult giving her something to do. It was her owning it, her taking the steps, her talking to her peers. And we had thousands of items brought for Constance Abbey. And it did not come from my brain or my heart. It came from hers. And that was so cool. Yeah, I really think, Drew, you hit on something here. I think our youth are wanting something bigger than themselves mm. to invest in, you know? Something that's real, it's tangible, something that they can get the satisfaction, know that they've made a difference. Yeah. You know? I talked on the phone earlier with one of the student leaders in China at Tiananmen Square. They were obviously protesting mm. for their rights and, and demonstrating for the human abuses from the uh, Chinese government. If you look at great events throughout history, oftentimes teenagers mm. taking a stand and want to make a difference. That was true 
back then, and that's true today. True today, yeah. yeah. Well, what a great opportunity for the church being the body of Christ mm. to a world and to our community right here in Memphis. Just get it real practical, you know, to people who are hurting, who got horrible habits and hang-ups. They need someone greater than themselves to trust in. And Jesus, yeah. with his love, with that limitless love we talked about in the beginning yeah. of the program, is what he offers. Yeah. We started this, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago. Our student team met, and we kind of came up with these sentences. They're going to be our statements in our student ministry from now on. At High Point, we say worship, connect, serve, and give. And so we wanted to come up with statements that kind of ran alongside of those. Yeah. And so we came up with, it's all about Jesus. Everything we do from donuts to playing games to music to hearing the word to small groups, it's all about Jesus. And then you were made to be known. You were made to be known by your creator, and you were made to be known by each other. We're called to carry each other's burdens. And so that's why we're really pushing students to be a part of a small group and to live life together, to run through life following someone who's following Jesus, and then everybody has something to offer. It doesn't matter. You you can be a teenager, but you can still be generous with your time. You don't have any money? Well, you know what? God gave you a gift. He gave you a talent. You can use it. You can use it. This has been great, Drew. Thank you so much for stopping by and kind of recapping what you shared through your teaching at a John 13 last mm-hmm. week when we aired the program. And I want to encourage our listeners, if you did not hear that program, all of my Mid-South Viewpoint radio shows are archived on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes podcast. I mean, there's no outlet. Google Play, I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> Stitcher. There's it's, so many options. There's so many <laughs> options today. I want to make it all available. So I encourage you to go back. And even on our Bot Radio Network website, all of our programs are archived on botradionetwork.com. Just look up the program schedule for Mid-South Viewpoint and find the program with Drew teaching. That will really bless you and encourage you, I know. The only part we're really missing here is Brittany. Really, it's the best. She's the best part, The too. best part of the McCullough home is, uh, is not here right now. We're going to have to have you guys come back. I'm so glad you came. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much for inviting me. We talked about this for weeks. Yes. And I finally just said, hey, schedule time. You said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I don't care. We'll just talk. <laughs> we did. We did exactly that. Made it great. Drew McCullough, thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom to impact youth. Thank you for encouraging us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for pouring into me as a teenager when you thought I wasn't listening. It's such a blessing. I mean, I've seen from youth pastors to Hollywood film producers that have been in my class. You know, it's just incredible just to think about the different places of ministry and just in the professional world where people are. It's been our pleasure to have Drew McCulloch, High Point Church student pastor, on our program today. That's all the time we have. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 